I saw a beautiful 12 foot angel standing next to her. And this angel was magnificent. Her energy almost sucked me in. I don't know how else to describe her. Absolutely breathtaking. And as I looked at her, I decided, oh, I want to see her feather wings because, you know, of course angels have feather wings. So I went to look for those. And what I saw was they actually were not made of feathers. They were made of light. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. Our guest today is Michelle Clare. She has had three near-death experiences. All three NDEs were a reminder to her of the unconditional love and connection that surpasses our earthly life. Michelle Clare is divinely guided by her spirit team as a medium and angel intuitive. This is her story and this is her passion. Michelle Clare, welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's it's an honor. Um, you've had three near-death experiences. I don't know where you'd like to start, but I'd love <laughs> you to share your your experiences if you feel comfortable with the audience yes absolutely so yes three as if one wasn't wow. enough right um yeah so my first one started uh in april of 2000 and i was actually in the hospital with my sister-in-law that day and my family she had had a baby so we were in there visiting and at that point in time, I went out into the hallway to talk to her nurse, who happened to be my friend from high school. And as I was talking to her, I had a massive seizure. And I don't remember the seizure or hitting the floor. All I remember is opening my eyes and looking up and my head was in my grandma's lap and my grandma had passed a couple years before. She looked like the youngest, healthiest version of herself. And as I was laying there, just looking at her, I remember feeling peace, feeling blissfulness, timelessness, just almost a, um, a sense of awe. Really, our human words don't do it justice. We try to find the words, but it's a challenge. As I was laying there and I looked into her eyes, I noticed next to her, I saw something. So I kind of glanced over that way. I saw a beautiful 12-foot angel standing next to her. And this angel was magnificent her energy almost sucked me in i don't know how else to describe her absolutely breathtaking and as i looked at her i decided oh i want to see her feather wings because you know of course angels have feather wings so i went to look for those and what i saw was they actually were not made of feathers they were made of light and they were kind of translucent and iridescent and they flowed so they had almost their own energy flow for, with them and they kind of seemed to span eternity. So as I was looking at her, I thought in my mind, I thought, what is your name? And she answered me. She said, my name's Madeline. I'm one of your guardian angels. And I was surprised because I didn't know anything about telepathic communication. And I did not realize that she could hear what I was thinking. So as I was in this place of just beauty, bliss, comfort, love, I was in no hurry to leave. All of a sudden, I heard them yelling, code, code, code. And I was back in my body because I had stopped breathing when I was having this seizure. 
And as I went back into my body, it felt so heavy and so dense. And my arm felt like it weighed 500 pounds. And it took me a while to really understand what had happened because I also didn't have the words near-death experience in my vocabulary. So I knew I had an experience, but I did not know what to call that. I will just tell you this. I came back and I had never felt so loved in my life. And in general, I had felt loved. So it wasn't that I grew up feeling unloved, but the level of love, completeness, and wholeness that I experienced in those moments was beyond anything I had experienced in my earthly life. Wow. Wow. So that's number one. How, how incredible, what, I mean, what a beautiful experience. And your, your grandmother, did she look like your grandmother as she did in her physical form? She did. She was the youngest, healthiest version of herself that I could remember. Um, So I recognized her um, and she looked healthy and happy. She was just there. It was almost like she was just there to comfort me and literally hold me as I went through this experience. So I wasn't alone and I wasn't scared or startled. And um, yeah, I had no doubt it was her. The angel, I love how you described what we term as feathers or wings, that it was just energy. That's 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 such a beautiful description of it. Yes, it, it was amazing. I really was looking for some giant feather wings, you know, yeah. <laughs> but but then what I and I don't even realize, know that at that point in time, I realized they were energy. Now, in hindsight, I do. I just remember knowing they were light. Mm. Do you think we all have a guardian angel? Without a doubt, we all have at least one and many, most people have more than one. I'd love to move on to that in a minute, but would you mind sharing your other near-death experiences for the audience? Absolutely. So my next one was in May of 2006, so about six years later, and I had had my son on April 1st that year, and I had a lot of complications with him. So I was in the hospital about four out of six weeks after I had him. And finally, in the middle of May, they said, hey, we need to do a DNC, which is where they clear out the uterus. And they said, it's a 45 minute outpatient procedure. You're going to be fine, but we think this will end the problems and you'll go home. So I said, okay, because I wanted a quick fix and I was tired of being in the hospital, right? And the night before, I just had this rock in my stomach, this gut feeling, I should not do this. This is not going to go well but I was so tired of being in the hospital and I wanted to be home with my family. So I went in the next morning, kind of asked the doctor again, talked to the anesthesiologist. They all reassured me, oh yeah, 45 minute outpatient, you're gonna be fine. So I went with it. I do remember counting backwards for the anesthesiologist and I had had anesthesia before. I never had dreams during it or memories. It was just like a darkness, just a blank space, right? So this time, What I do remember is I'm on the gurney in the operating room and I have this beautiful 102 pound white German shepherd who had passed a couple of years before this. And she walks into the operating room, lays her head on the gurney. She looks at me just like this, smiles, her little dog smile. And the next thing I know we are gone and we are on this phenomenal beach and we are running and running and the sand feels like clouds. I noticed this doesn't feel like heavy, wet sand, or it felt like we were running on clouds. Every drop of water in the ocean, every molecule and cell and the beautiful plants and flowers and air is radiating this 
light and love. And once again, I'm in this timeless, eternal space. I am feeling complete, whole, bliss. I am in no hurry to go anywhere. I am beyond content to be in this moment. And as I'm running, I notice that's all there ever really was. It was just the present moment. It was each step and each breath that I was taking, which brought me into the present moment and an awareness that I had never had in my human life, where it was truly just each breath, each step. And as I was running with my beautiful dog, once again, we're telepathically communicating and she's happy I'm there. She's young, she's healthy, she's energetic. She looked like she was probably about a year and a half, two-year-old German shepherd, right? Just glowing. And we are running and running. And I notice we're not getting hot or tired or thirsty. And here's the interesting thing about this near-death experience. I actually personally, human Michelle, hates to run. So there is no way that I'm like going for a run. And I tell my friends, like, if you see me running, call 911. That's an emergency. That's not me out for a job. Here I am in my near-death experience, just running on the beach, soaking it up, loving every second of it. As I'm on the beach with her, I have an awareness that my son, who's now six weeks old, and he was at the house with my parents, is calling to me and he's scared. He's, he knows I'm getting ready to leave. And, and so I go to him immediately and I realize that my soul's now in two places at once. It's part of me is on the beach with the dog and part of me is standing there with my son. And I say to him, I say, I will find a way to stay. I'm not going to leave you. And the next thing I do is I start praying and I start saying, I need help. It's not my time. After that, I know I'm immediately back in the operating room. Jesus comes in. I see the operating room light up with this beautiful white golden light. And as Jesus came in, I want to be real clear. It was the, the energy of, hey, I'm here to help you. It wasn't bow down to me. It wasn't I'm above you. It was like calling your best friend. What can I do for you? Was the energy that Jesus came in with. So I wake up. In post-op, and my 45-minute procedure had turned into a three-and-a-half-hour emergency surgery because they had ruptured my uterus in two places and missed my aorta by a millimeter. Thank you for sharing that experience. Just to touch on uh, Jesus, how did you know it was Jesus? Well, that's a great question. So I was raised Catholic, so I had an image in my mind of Jesus. Um, but it wasn't just the image that I saw. It was the energy and what I felt. So if you think about maybe line up your three, three kids or three family members or three people that you know well, even without touching them, if we put a blindfold on you, you would have an idea of who you're standing in front of because of the energy of their body. You'd kind of actually almost feel their shape or their size. Maybe you would smell them, but you have other senses in ways that you would know them. And so for me, Jesus presented himself pretty much as I expected him to look. But I also feel like when we are in spirit, we can present ourselves in other ways. So he presented his, himself to me in a way that I would know it was him, just like my grandmother did, right? But he could also present himself looking somewhat different or a little different to someone else if that's what they were expecting to find. Because the universe is all about love and comfort. And so it will present itself to us in the ways that we are expecting so that we can accept that and find that love and comfort. Well, I have to ask you about the third one since we're on a roll here, if you don't mind sharing. <laughs> Absolutely. So my third one happened on 11 So for those people that like numbers, there's a lot of ones right there. 
And at that point in time, my kids were five, eight, and 10 years old. So it was about five years after my other one. And we have 14 foot ceilings in the house. So about 12 feet off the ground, I have battery operated candles that turn on at night, glow. So I had done this many, many times. And my younger two kids were home. My oldest was at school. And I said, as soon as I get done, I'm going to climb up the ladder, put the batteries in the candle. And as soon as I'm done, we'll go get your sister. So as I climb up this ladder, I get to the towards the top. I'm probably 10 feet off the ground and I can feel it start to shift. And in that moment, all I could think is this is going to hurt. I knew it was going down. And the next thing I know, I am absolutely ripped out of my body, not in a painful way, but in a fast way. And I am turned around and facing my body and the ladder suspended in the air. And I'm standing with these three people that I don't know, but I felt like I knew them. They felt like close friends or family. It was an Asian man, an Egyptian woman, and a Hawaiian man. And I literally had never seen them in this life. And as I was standing with them, they looked at me and they said, what would you like to do? Would you like to stay or would you like to go? And in this moment, I was almost a little bit, I don't know if I want to say confused, but I was trying to put all the pieces together. Here I am in this eternal space. I'm feeling that bliss, that unconditional love. I'm standing with what I would call strangers, and yet they feel like family, friends. They feel like they know every piece of me. And I'm facing my body in the ladder in the air. And I wasn't being rushed. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, my body's going to hit the ground in less than a second. But I had forever to decide if I wanted to stay or go. Nobody was, you know, watching the clock telling me to hurry up. And as I was watching my body in the ladder, I saw this beautiful angel come in, a different angel than in my first one. This angel was dressed in red and gold and it came in and it, and it had a male energy. And as I saw it, I knew that this angel was there to either take me home or shift something so that I could stay. Like I had no doubt of what the purpose was. And then I saw my younger two kids in the kitchen. And the minute I saw them, I knew I needed to stay. And as I made that decision in my mind, a lot of it, this is very telepathic communication because I wasn't speaking. Um, as I made the decision to stay, I was instantly, I would say, downloaded with a bunch of information. So I was told, okay, but being a stay-at-home mom is not your only purpose. We expect you to go back and do your mediumship now and help people in the way that you can. They told me most likely my marriage wasn't going to survive um, this because you cannot have a near-death experience and come back and change and be the same person you were before. It's literally almost impossible. Um, and so they just downloaded me with a bunch of information. And in that moment, then my body fell. The back of my head hit the corner of my granite island. So I had a five and a half inch skull fracture. I had a brain bleed. I lost my taste, my smell, part of my hearing and my equilibrium. However, when they did the CAT scan, they told me I survived that fall by half an inch because I literally missed my brainstem by half an inch. Oh my gosh, I've got so many questions, but these three near-death experiences, what have they just taught you about your life or life in general? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that is a huge question. There are so many things. So I, number one, uh, my first one, I learned angels are real. I mean, I grew up believing in them, but I've literally encountered them now. Angels are real. 
our loved ones are still connected to us. My grandma was right there. She was ready for me before I ever even knew I was going to need her, right? Our pets make it to heaven. So many people have beloved animals and they worry about them. And maybe some religions teach that they don't go to heaven. They do. They're right there to greet you when you go. I learned that love is eternal. I learned that time is a human illusion. It, we need it on planet earth, but it doesn't exist in other places. Um, I learned about life guides. So in my third near-death experience, those three people were my life guides. That wasn't even a term that I had. We all have life guides. And at the, in the end, this is really an experience. Our time on planet earth, it's the school of life, right? We're here to learn and grow, evolve, experience things. But we came from the love, the oneness, the completeness, and that's where we will return. Well, I'd love to talk about angels, um, your experience with angels and some advice probably for the audience, how they can connect with their with angels and their own guardian angels and spirit guides. Yeah, absolutely. So we in our human mind, we make it very complicated. We think we're going to have to go meditate for five hours and, you know, do all of these things to get a yes or no answer from our angels. What I have found out is that in our daily life, they are constantly sending us signs. So they talk to us a lot with numbers and feathers. They will, um, when I ask my angels a question, very often they respond to me with emojis if I want a yes or no. So I'll say, hey, should I do A or should I do B? And then I see the emoji thumb up or the emoji thumb down. So our angels are always looking to communicate with us. And it's just about giving them that blank slate. So in our humanness, we make it a lot harder than it has to be because they're doing everything they can. So I would say it's, yes, if you want to go meditate for three hours, please do. But they will also answer you in three seconds if you give them the room, if you say, hey, but we're not thinking, right? Our human mind doesn't think that our angel is going to respond to us with a thumb up, thumb down emoji. We, we think we're going to get some you know, holy, holy type message. And we need to be in this own state of mind, right? But they'll actually make it very practical to connect with us. And the other thing I say is in the mornings, ask your angels in. Say, come on in angels. Thank you for being here to guide me today. Go ahead of me today. Smooth out the bumps in the road. Make it so that this day goes as smooth and as beautiful as possible. Your angels are always happy to assist you. And is that the same advice for spirit guides? Yes. I mean, that is the same advice. And, and from my understanding, they do two different roles. So our angels are here more to protect and guide and our spirit guides do guide us, but their mission is to keep us on our soul plan or the life path so that we can achieve the lessons that we want to learn. And it's not that they're not unconditional beings of love and light. They absolutely are. They kind of play a different role. They're kind of like the teacher. Wait, stay on track get back on track. Oh, you missed that opportunity. We'll have it come up again. So they play a little bit of a different role, but it's part of our spirit team. We have our loved ones in spirit, our angels and our life guides around each of us, helping us to try to achieve the lessons that we wanted to learn when we came here. You probably get this question all the time. What is my soul lessons? What is my soul plan, my path? And am I following it? How do I follow it? What's your <laughs> advice for that? You know what? That is one of the number one questions. People will say, what is my soul's purpose, right? Well, here's the thing. Our soul has more than one purpose. No one has just one purpose, right? Part of your purpose might be to be a mom. Part of it's a daughter, maybe a partner, maybe a sister, a friend, right? 
So right there in, in one second, we just came up with five purposes for your life. This is what I would tell you. Our number one sole purpose is to serve ourselves. And by serving ourselves is how we serve others. So I'm going to use myself as an example on that. By serving my sole purpose, which was, hey, Michelle, come to planet Earth, practice your mediumship, practice your spirit connection. By serving myself is actually how I serve others because I'm doing my soul's purpose. And by doing that, I'm actually able to assist others with their soul's purpose. So a lot of times we are told like, you are here to live a life of service. Yes, to some extent we are, but it's secondary to serving our, our soul's purpose first and foremost, because by doing that, it is natural that we'll serve others. So people who are doctors or massage therapists or physical therapists or whatever their passion is of helping people, maybe they're, you know, phenomenal at biology and they're discovering cures or, you know, whatever this is, that's their sole purpose. But by doing that is how they serve others. And you're also such a bundle of joy and love as well. You're such a bright light. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, just a question you've been guided to mediumship. This is, I'm sure most of the audience are aware of it. This is connection with transitioned loved ones, people that have passed in their physical form. Absolutely. Yes. So I, so I connect with mediumship. So our loved ones in spirit, angels, life guides, and some psychic information too. For those of the audience that have lost loved ones and are wanting to have some connection with them, what would be your advice to receive messages or signs or communication from their loved ones? Yeah. So number one, look for it because you're going to find what you're looking for. So people who aren't looking for signs and then say, I never get a sign. Well, they're not looking for them. <laughs> so I promise you, your loved ones in spirit are constantly trying to send you signs. Really common things, the music on the radio, feathers, numbers, finding coins. Um, they're really good at playing with electronics, the lights flickering, lights burning out. There, there are a lot of very common signs that our loved ones in spirit will send us. The other thing that I would say is it is our birthright. And when I say birthright, I don't mean human birthright. I mean our soul's birthright to be always connected to those that we love. So the idea that you can't connect with your own people in spirit isn't accurate. Now, it may not be something you've been taught. It might not be your first, you know, um, comfort zone that you want to go to, but we can all connect with our loved ones in spirit. And one of the ways that we can do that, that I like to tell people just really basic ideas, right? Because a lot of times we need to start with something basic. Think of your loved one in spirit, close your eyes and say to them, okay, show me what you're wearing today. And then let them drop a picture in their mind. Oh, there's grandma in her favorite dress. Oh, there's, you know, whatever it is that you're seeing. The other thing is scent is a quantum um, sense. And so with that, we can ask our loved ones in spirit, let me smell where you are today. And then notice, are you smelling an ocean breeze? Does it smell like mountains? You know, where are they? So we can ask for some basic signs like that. And another thing that I like to tell people to do is imagine just sit on the couch and imagine sending your loved ones, see them standing in front of you, love, the energy of love from your heart. So I kind of like to do this, imagining like big red Valentine's hearts going back and forth, like a million of them, right? And know that your loved one is literally standing right there, sending those same hearts and love back to you. But what we have to do in our human form is also see ourselves as a sponge 
and receive it. Because a lot of times what we do is we send out a one-way message. I love you. I miss you. I'm lost without you, whatever our message is. But we forget that actually it's energy and we can stop and receive their love for us, their connection to us. Yeah, they're, they're great points. Thank you so much. For those that may be watching this episode uh, and are grieving or in the process yeah. of grief, what would be your advice? Well, so I, I work with a lot of parents who have had kids that have transitioned. And honestly, for me as a mom, that's my most challenging. Um, and I think it is for anyone who has kids because in the course of life, that is the least natural passing, right? That, that our kids would transition first. So what I often think of is for me, human Michelle with my three kids, if my kids aren't in the house with me, are they okay where they are? Whether that is them being away at college, whether they're at a friend's house, they're at school, they went out to eat, whatever it is. I just need to know that they're okay where they are. So one of the ways that we find peace when we're grieving, because we're still going to be human. We're still going to miss our loved ones in their body. We're still going to miss the sound of their laugh. We're still going to miss them sitting across the table from us. But one of the things that helps is to know that they really are at peace and they really are doing amazing. And with that, we now have some security. Okay, at least I know they're good where they are. The other thing I would say is the relationship and communication with them has not ended. It has changed, right? So it's going to look like signs and feelings and maybe we'll hear a word or we'll smell them. But the relationship and the communication is every bit as alive as it was when they were in body. Our loved ones in spirit do not feel disconnected from us because if anything, they're more connected to us now than they were in their human form. In their human form, they had to be hungry, pay bills. Maybe they got sick. You know, we had all of this humanness, right? Now that they're in spirit, those aren't concerns and things they need to deal with. And they can be with us all the time. So they actually tend to feel more connected to us in spirit than they did in human. Oh, thank you so much. Um, what, do you, in, what do you think happens when our physical body dies? What happens to the, the spirit or the soul? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, a great question. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit different for everyone, because as we talked about earlier, the universe is about love and comfort, right? So I will tell you from my own experiences, I did not feel the trauma my body went through. Now, when I came back to my body, I had some recovery work <laughs> that took a long time that I had to do. But as far as the part where my soul was disconnected, dis detaching, sorry, trying to find my word there, detaching from my body, um, I actually wasn't connected to the pain or the trauma that my body was going to. So I want people to number one, keep that in mind, because a lot of times we worry about how our loved ones transitioned. And the truth is most likely they weren't connected to their humanness at that time. They're doing it on a soul level. It's not productive for you to feel what your human body is going through. It doesn't matter. So Number one, know that. The other thing is this, people will find what they are looking for. So if you are expecting to find Jesus on a beach, you're probably going to find Jesus on a beach because this is about love and comfort. If you're expecting that you're going to get over there and every member of your family is throwing this huge party and celebration and you walk in, that's going to be what you find because it is about love and comfort. If you're expecting to find beaches, 
um, mountains, whatever it is, for people who are really out there and are like, oh my gosh, I want to see aliens. They will probably see aliens. But for most of us, we probably won't because if we transitioned and saw something with eight heads or whatever this is, we would say, oh my God, where am I? What just happened, right? And it's all about the love and comfort. So our loved ones will find what they're experiencing expecting in the sense of peace and love and comfort to help usher them in. It won't take long for their soul to adjust to the transition. And, and without a doubt, no one transitions alone. So I will tell people this regularly, whether they were in the hospital and passed to COVID, whether they pass in the middle of the Sahara desert by themselves, no one dies alone because our spirit team, our angels, our loved ones are there helping us make that transition. Where is the best place for people to connect with you, Michelle? On my website, michelleclare.net. And I I will leave a link below in the show notes. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you? Yeah, there's just one thing that I'd like to leave everybody with. And that is that a lot of times people say, well, what about our free will? Our free will is another big question, right? We do have free will. That doesn't mean necessarily that we had free will over the driver hitting us in the car accident that we had and things like that. But our free will exists in our ability to choose on how we want to see a situation. So it's the perception of it. Our our free will exists in our perception. So if we can shift it to, this is a lesson I learned, I'm growing. Even when we're talking about loved ones who have transitioned, right? they're still connected to you. You're still in a relationship with them and they are at peace. And when we can shift our perspective to see it that way, it doesn't mean we don't miss them and want them here in a body, but it changes everything instead of the idea of like, they are dead and I may never see them again. That's not the reality of it. So your free will exists, but the strongest way to find it is through your perception of situations. Michelle, what a beautiful way to end this episode and the show Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. I just love your bundle of energy and joy for life and you're such a delight. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much, Louisa. I (laughs) love this time together. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. If you liked this episode, please do subscribe for weekly passionate inspirational interviews.